KYW News Radio Original Podcasts. From KYW News Radio 1039 FM, this is Flashpoint. Shining light on the issues that matter to you in Philadelphia. Presented by the Gift of Life Donor Program. Organ donors save lives. I'm Denise Nakano, and this week on Flashpoint, the impacts from climate change are here. We have a problem. It's there. It's serious because it's happening right now. Experts in the field say there is no looking away, but there also may be a way out. Climate change is scary. It's certainly a crisis, but it is one that is totally solvable. We hear how Philadelphia will benefit from jobs in renewable energy. It's creating an economy that people can earn money, make money, and do some blue-collar jobs. And we highlight a change maker who's making a difference in sustainability. My people have always done this, and our responsibility to the land to, to care for her. It's a half hour you need to hear, and it's all ahead on Flashpoint. I'm Denise Nakano, and welcome back to Flashpoint. We are faced with the urgent challenge of climate change. 97% of climate scientists agree it is well underway and human cause. So what are we going to do about it? With me, NBC10 meteorologist Steve Sosna and Flora Cardoni with Penn Environment, an environmental research and advocacy group based in Philadelphia. Thank you, Steve and Flora, for being here. Thank you. Thank you so much for having us. Steve, I know you're passionate about this issue and you've studied it. What does the science tell us about climate change and how quickly it's happening? So, Denise, the science has been there, believe it or not, since the 1800s. We've known that greenhouse gases cause warming. Now, the first predictions of a warming world were made back in the 1930s. Now, obviously, we weren't putting as much carbon dioxide and other greenhouse gases in the air at that time, or we didn't know fully the the impacts of doing so. But now with the uh, invention of social media, with all the types of form of media, we can educate people. And this is a really good opportunity to spread the word because the knowledge is there. This is a fact. Greenhouse gases cause warming. 99% of the air is comprised of oxygen and nitrogen, right? So that's most of it. But that 1% is the greenhouse gases, which doesn't sound very big, but some of them are very problematic. For instance, carbon dioxide has a extremely long lifespan, a thousand years. So even if we stopped emitting carbon dioxide now, the earth would continue to warm. And so this is why this is an emergency. We need to cut emissions down. There's a direct correlation between temperature and carbon dioxide and other greenhouse gases. And we have never seen the rate of change in 800,000 years. And how do we know that? We can drill ice cores down in the Arctic and look at the bubbles and analyze them. And we've never seen such a fast spike in carbon dioxide and temperature rise as we're seeing right now. The earth has gone through this natural cycle and it had to do with the orbit. This is a different story. Now, Flora, this is no longer a distant threat as we're hearing Steve say, it's right at our doorstep. So what is the local impact of climate change? Exactly. As Steve mentioned, you know, as we've continued to pump greenhouse gases, carbon and methane into the atmosphere, we've already started to see the impacts um, to our world. And, you know, around the world, that's looked like the devastating wildfires that continue to sweep across the West, the heat dome in the Pacific Northwest right now. 
um, more dangerous and frequent hurricanes and tropical storms, more droughts, more flooding. Um, but here in Pennsylvania, we're seeing a lot of impacts as well. We like to say that Pennsylvania is getting hotter and wetter as a result of the climate crisis. So we're already experiencing longer and more dangerous heat waves, worsening air quality as a result of hotter summer days, um, more frequent and intense downpours and flash flooding events. Um, you know, we've had members and volunteers with more basement flooding or mold in their homes because of this increase of water. Um, we've seen increases in insect-borne diseases like Lyme disease here in Pennsylvania with tick populations not dying off in the winter. Um, and beyond the impacts to public health and our you know, day-to-day lives, we are also seeing these warmer temperatures affecting our economy from shorter ski seasons in the Poconos to droughts and flooding impacting our agriculture here in the state. And the bottom line is that if we don't get off of fossil fuels and stop pumping this greenhouse gas into the atmosphere, we know that these impacts will only worsen. So let's talk about some of those hot days. We have really seen plenty of them, that heat index making it feel like 102 to 105, which is pretty ridiculous. But Steve, how much is climate change a factor in the extremes in in the weather? Climate change is essentially the, the temperature rise that you're seeing. You know, you're hearing about the earth rising 1.5 degrees. It doesn't sound like a lot, but 1.5 degrees or two degrees causes basically the weather to go on steroids. And so the only constant that you have are these extreme events. And a lot of people are deceived because they hear climate change, global warming, and they instantly think, oh, well, I'm not going to have snow anymore. And then all of a sudden we'll get these outbreaks in the wintertime that are extremely cold. It's deceiving. The reason why we're seeing some of these really nasty cold outbreaks in the Northeast is because climate change, global warming has weakened the jet stream winds. So that used to protect us from that cold weather. And that actually allows that cold weather to come down so that you'll get colder weather in the Northeast and you will in parts of Alaska and Canada. The other problem, and and there isn't one easy answer to this, is the way we live our lifestyles. So for instance, in Philadelphia, we have some of the worst urban heat island effects in in the country where you'll have uh, neighborhoods such as Strawberry Mansion be 20 degrees warmer on average than other neighborhoods. These are also neighborhoods of color and people that do not have a lot of money. And so these people are disproportionately impacted by climate change. For instance, if somebody lives in the suburbs, not near a stream or river, they're ones that it may not be impacting them right now as much, but they may not be noticing the subtle changes that the farmers are are noticing. Some of the most effective people to talk to are farmers. They can't grow certain crops anymore. The surf clam, remember those big surf clams that you used to see at the Jersey Shore? You don't see them anymore. The water temperature is too warm and the ocean has absorbed 93% of this warming. That's a problem because it's turned acidic, 30% 30 more acidic, which means coral reefs are bleaching, you're losing ecosystems. And so your food web in the ocean is disappearing too. And that impacts you when you're going out at the shore for dinner, you might not be able to get that stuff anymore. And it's serious situation, both on land and in sea. Floor, what's projected to happen if we continue the path that we are on? Right now, Philadelphia has five more days a year of temperatures above 95 degrees than we did in 1970. Um, And 
that trend will only worsen. So it's projected that by 2050, the state will have more than 15 dangerous heat days annually, whereas right now we have about five annually. Um, it's also projected that by 2100, summer in Pennsylvania will be about 10 degrees hotter on average than it is today. Um, and to Steve's point, this impacts our urban communities um, more with the urban heat island effect. Okay, and so if we continue to c- carry on as we normally do and don't make some changes, where can we see? I know we don't have a crystal ball, but where could we be, you know, 5, 10, 15, 50 years from now? One of the things that I think about is the Philadelphia airport. Um, it's projected that as climate change worsens and we're facing more extreme flood risk, um, that not only will threaten thousands of homes that are along the Delaware River, but also threaten the airport since it's sitting on marshland. And so that's just one example of, you know, by 2040, 2050, we'll see more extreme flooding. And by 2100, um, you know, the airport could be unusable. So that's just one, I think, example of the scale of change that we're seeing this century. All right. Steve, there are people who question climate change, despite the overwhelming scientific consensus. I know you heard it. You get approached all the time about it. Uh, What's your message to those people? So this is this is really easy. I like to say this is simple, serious and solvable. So simple. We have a problem. It's there. We we understand it's a problem. It's serious because it's happening right now before our eyes in in various ways. We're measuring it. Remember, scientists measure and it's solvable. We all can take an approach to this. It seems so um, paralyzing when you hear about all this and, well, what difference can I make? But collectively, if we all make these subtle changes, improvements can be made. But the reason why we know this is happening, it's being measured. If you follow the money, the people that are arguing against this are the oil and gas industry. When you take politics out of this and you look at the pure science of it, and places that had non-biased funding, it's happening. We have numbers, we have graphs, it's everywhere. And it's our job as me, a station scientist, to be covering this so that people can understand they get uncomfortable. As soon as we say climate change tied to a weather event, people get uneasy because they think politics. For I want everybody listening to take politics out of this. Listen to the science, just like COVID, we, we have an, we have approach, we have a strategy for this and we can fix it. We can, we're not going to totally escape it, but we can really start to, um, reduce some of the impacts so that they're not so severe and that millions of people aren't displaced from the coast. That's going to be a big problem. Okay. So this is human caused. And so the question is, what can we do to change course in all of this? Yeah. I mean, to Steve's point, The problem of climate change is scary. It's certainly a crisis and the largest existential threat we're facing right now, but it is one that is totally solvable. The science is very clear that to stop the worst impacts of climate change, we need to transition away from fossil fuels towards cleaner renewable energy, which will not only help mitigate the impacts of climate change, but also clean up our air and water and protect our health. And we have that technology at our fingertips today. Um, We can make improvements to energy efficiency and modernize the grid. We can put solar on all of our homes and wind offshore and in our you know, rural areas. And we have the technological capacity to power our world without you know, in, um, 
releasing these greenhouse gases today. And that's popular. The majority of people, the majority of Pennsylvanians want to tackle the climate crisis and move towards this clean energy future. We have good policies to do it. Um, we really just need to, you know, kind of force the politics forward and implement these solutions so that we can have the societal scale change that we need to bring about this cleaner, renewable energy future. But we could do so today um, if we, you know, unleash this technology at a wide scale. And Steve, what can we do on any given day to reduce our carbon footprint? So Denise, that's a great question. Um, there are actually a lot of things that we can do, and not all of them are as affordable as each other, but um, just your diet, case in point. So we know meat, uh, there's a lot of um, uh, inefficiencies in um, cattle farming and all sorts of this with methane. Methane is 28 times more potent than carbon dioxide. And so the more methane that we're putting out there, the, the more we're enhancing that warmer. So a more vegetarian diet, um, uh, uh, just by walking instead of driving or an electric car, um, planes, air travel is one of the biggest contributors uh, to um, carbon dioxide output. So whether you can do this interview through Zoom or choosing an airline that is using biofuels instead of using your traditional um, you know, fuel. So there are, there are just little things here and there of being conscious of what you're doing. And I think one of the most important things you can do is have conversations with your friends and family. It's a personal thing. Um, share stories that you've learned. And this is how we actually spread and make people aware is by the day-to-day -day communication. Um, and that's how we're going to change people. All right. Definitely. Getting educated, finding solutions. Did you have anything to add, Flora? Yes, absolutely. I couldn't agree more with Steve that talking, you know, face-to-face -face with people is the best thing that we can be doing. If you can relate the local impacts you're seeing, you know, your neighborhood pond not freezing over as much in winter or getting caught in more flash flooding and extreme downpours than you used to, that can start localizing those impacts and making people see that the climate crisis is a present danger, no longer a distant threat. Um, certainly there's a lot of things we can do um, to reduce our carbon footprint. Steve's talked about a lot of them, you know, more walking and biking, taking public transit and expanding and electrifying that, um, expanding electric vehicle infrastructure so that there's a national or statewide network of chargers to get people where they need to go electrifying our buildings, improving energy efficiency, and again, building out renewable energy like solar and wind and geothermal so we can power the electrified future that way. Um, because ultimately, you know, with climate change, I like to think of it as kind of, you know, if your bathtub is overflowing, you don't just start bailing out the water, you need to shut off the tap. So we need to do whatever we can to, you know, stop burning these dirty fossil fuels and move towards a cleaner, healthier future. Denise, one thing that I would just like to add quickly is that uh, emotionally, this is how people change. And so it's it's everywhere. So I was just talking to one of our uh, executive sports producers. We were, we were discussing this. Okay, so now you've had the Olympic trials in Oregon postponed, right? They, they've had to rearrange times. We had the Flyers play in Lake Tahoe in the middle of winter, and they couldn't play their games because the ice is melting. We had Olympic Games in Sochi where there's no snow. 
you can't ignore what's happening here. It's event after event after event, whether you're an athlete, whether you're a commuter, this is going to impact you at the grocery store. It's everywhere. So people just need to have that sense of awareness and be on the lookout for it um, because it's everywhere in all shape or forms. All right. So much at stake with plenty of implications for our future. Steve and Flora, thank you for spending time with us on Flashpoint. Thank you so much. pleasure, Denise. Thank you. Flashpoint is sponsored by the Gift of Life Donor Program. Organ donors save lives. Register today at DonorsOne.org. A major part of the more than trillion-dollar bipartisan infrastructure proposal is a promise to clean up the nation's electricity system with new mandates for renewable energy. KYW Sheridan Howard spoke with the U.S. Labor Secretary and a local renewable energy advocate about what this could mean for jobs in Philadelphia. Secretary Walsh, welcome and thank you for joining me outside of our historic city hall here in Philly. You've now been sworn in as the 29th Secretary of Labor and you've been in the news making the rounds talking about the June jobs report, revealing the economy gained more than 850,000 jobs last month. Additionally, within the $1.2 trillion bipartisan infrastructure bill, the president's made a point of including substantial investment into renewable energy jobs and Philadelphia, you say, is a large part of that plan. President Biden gave a speech on renewable energy and he focused on jobs. And I think it's a different approach to look at the issue of climate change that it's not just about, you know, basically really saving the planet for the next generation of young people. It's also about creating an economy that people can earn money, make money and do some blue collar jobs. And what about fairness and balance throughout communities considering socioeconomic divides and also racial inequities? You know, it's important for us as we think about it to make sure those jobs are equitable as well, that all communities, communities of color can access those jobs. And you say President Biden's infrastructure bill and rescue plan includes substantial investments in these areas. We have a, a tremendous opportunity right now. And then in the infrastructure bill, the president just is trying to get through with Republican support. There's green jobs in that infrastructure. And then on the other side, the, the cares economy, there's more green jobs than that. So we have real opportunities here. So from your point of view, how does Philadelphia really fit into these plans? And given that we're traditionally a very blue collar city, how do we make that transition? Yeah, well, we do. I mean, you, we're standing in the we're standing in front of the city hall and we're looking around all these big buildings and there's going to be opportunities for us to retrofit all these buildings for clean energy, reduce carbon emissions. We're watching cars driving by us right now and eventually we'll have more electric vehicles and in the infrastructure bill, electric charging stations. So again, we have a lot of little kids running around here breathing in this air that, that is not 100% clean. So we have so many opportunities right now at this moment in time to really make a, a tremendous impact on changing our culture when it comes to energy and energy efficiency and green energy and clean energy moving forward. You say climate change definitely isn't going anywhere, but the industry of renewable energy is really on its way up. And it's about having leadership that recognizes that with both investment and vision for the future. No, it's not going anywhere. But, but it, you know, again, I think that we have a president, a vice president who, who's actually investing. And that's where we didn't have before. We didn't have this, this large investments in renewables and, and also everything that comes with it. Now, what steps is your office in particular going to take to make all of this happen and to move things forward? Well, quite honestly, as Secretary of Labor, one of the biggest aspects we can do is training, job training, workforce development, making sure that as these industries, I wouldn't say they emerge because they're already here, but as we grow these industries, really training the workforce of the future to be able to access these jobs. And you say Philadelphia, like many cities, plays a vital role in all of this. Philadelphia has to be a big part of it because Philadelphia is a big city. Thank you so much, Secretary Walsh, for joining us. All right, thank you. 
Welcome, Phyllis. Now, you've heard Secretary Walsh's plans to include Philly in the future of renewable energy because he says climate change is real and we need to prepare. Now, you say as a local advocate, of course, we need to prepare, but we should start with local jobs. I'm a part of an organization that's called Solarize and then the county. So there's Solarize Philadelphia, Solarize Monco, Solarize Delaware County that are trying to promote local companies to install solar panels on people's houses. So they're screening independent contractors. So we're using very local people and as opposed to the national organization. So it's very much local jobs in the Philadelphia area. In the current bipartisan infrastructure bill, and that's taking out the lead out of the pipes in Philadelphia schools and out of homes. Most homes that were built a long time ago, they have lead pipes unless they've been remediated. A lot of the schools have lead pipes. The school district of Philadelphia knows they have a problem and they put up signs saying, do not drink this water. Well, you know, the kids still drink the water. So that would be local jobs taking out the lead pipes and putting in safer pipes. And you say jobs like this are the future. It better be the future. If it's not the future, then humanity doesn't have a future. Now, you've spent most of your career as an educator, and now you're still educating, but you're focusing on highlighting the importance of renewable energy. Because you say climate change goes beyond academia. It poses a clear and present danger to not only our health, but also our economy. Well, as we continue to use fossil fuels, we're basically killing ourselves because we're all smelling it it in and we're taking it into our lungs. More and more kids are getting asthma than they ever had in the past. And we're also experiencing an incredible heat wave across the country. And we feel it today in Philadelphia, but it's nothing like what they're getting in the Pacific Northwest or what they had in the Pacific beforehand. So we need to reduce our dependence on fossil fuels, particularly anything that's related to gasoline or to natural gas. The Labor Secretary made a point to say that cities like Philadelphia were specifically included in the ideas surrounding investment in renewable energy jobs. And you know exactly where that money should be going. Well, we have the the old Sunoco refinery that we need to do something about, and that would be a great place to clean it up. And once we clean that up, you can put solar panels over any green gray field, provided it's all capped and it's not leaking. So that would be a place to do that. Wind is another wonderful uh, renewable energy. When you can constantly, and the turbines are much, much more powerful than they used to be. And you can get climate-related turbines so that they do work in 100-degree weather, and they do work in 30 degrees below zero. You You just have to buy those type of turbines. And small companies can get in on this, but they do need government support to grow, he said. Well, I'll give you my personal story about renewable jobs. I um, invested in solar panels in my house, and I decided to use a small independent company that's Philadelphia-based. He lives in West Philadelphia, and he started the company, and it's a, a successful company now installing solar panels. So he's created jobs. But with regard to what an individual can personally do, we've all heard it, some of us have even said it, but my carbon footprint this, my carbon footprint that. What are some things that people can do now to help or at least contribute less to the problem of climate change? So the easiest thing that anybody can do is they can get, in Pennsylvania, you have what's called choice of your source of your energy. If you get your electric bill currently from Pico, where I get mine or whoever, Pico buys their energy from another source and they buy it from whoever they want or whoever gives them the best price. But we can choose who provides our energy for us. So if you go to the Pennsylvania Utility Commission, they'll list 
list, maybe 20 different utility companies that will sell you energy. They actually sell it to your electric supplier. And then you can choose if you want 100% renewable. It doesn't even have to be more expensive. It can be the same thing. You get the same electric bill. You don't even notice it. You just have to fill out some paperwork. And it's really very simple to do so that you could be getting 100% renewable energy into the grid that would be helping the system. So you can choose wind, you can choose solar, you can choose any that's renewable. You can choose Pennsylvania generated only, or you can, and sometimes it's a little bit more expensive. It might cost five to $10 more a month. And sometimes it actually can be cheaper. You just have to do a lot of comparison shopping. What's a message you'd like to leave our listeners with? What do they need to know about renewable energy, renewable jobs, and how they can contribute to the solution rather than the problem? Don't be overwhelmed by the fact that there is climate change that we all can take steps. Individually, we can take the step that I just outlined, which is talking about changing your source of your energy. But also, we need to get the government behind us. We need to get the Pennsylvania legislature to pass REGI, Regional Greenhouse Gas Initiative. 11 other states are already part of it, and they're making polluters pay. And when you make polluters pay, somebody gets the money back, and it goes back to the state. Another part of that, which would be very helpful, is if we promoted policies that encourage people to install solar or to get electric cars or to do anything like that. Um, In Pennsylvania, I can sell my credits for my solar panels and I get $20 for every X number that I sell. In New Jersey, I would be getting $200 for every X number that I sell. In Washington, D.C., it's more like $400. So you can see why Pennsylvania is not particularly motivated. We don't have a government that's really encouraging people to be pro-green energy, renewable energy, and we need to be. Thanks for joining us, Phyllis. Thanks. If you're considering home care for yourself or a loved one, Patriot Home Care makes it easy with a caring and compassionate staff. Don't be overwhelmed by all the choices. Let Patriot Home Care help. Patriot Home Care is growing with offices throughout Philadelphia and now in Delaware. Patriot is accepting caregivers and new clients virtually as well. At Patriot, you will love what you do and feel rewarded by taking care of people who need your help. Patriot also offers some of the area's best pay, benefits, and a $600 sign-on bonus to new caregivers. Visit PatriotHomeCare.org. The Philly Rising Changemaker of the Week is presented by Patriot Home Care. Hey y'all, KYW's Antoinette Lee here. This week's Changemaker is the St. Hopeful Community Farm. It's located in the Southwest Philly King Sessing neighborhood at Bartram's Garden. Now this farm is special for a few reasons. Let's start with reason number one, the location. Chris Bowden Newsom is co-director of the farm. It's located again near 54th and Lindbergh. Every week they set up a farm stand there with the food they've harvested just around the corner through natural, sustainable techniques. We're specifically blessed to be oriented literally right here in the space of Bartram's Village, located in Bartram's Garden, because it is the largest public housing campus in the county of Philadelphia. And so we have ready access to folks who want the food, who need the food, and for whom the food is traditional, for whom the food is ancestral. Now, there aren't a lot of grocery stores and fresh food options in this area of the city. Some of the plants people may not even be familiar with. That's where Laquanda Dobson's talents come in. She teaches culinary recipes with the plants they sell. My responsibility as a farmer and a chef is to make sure that the younger generation knows all of these things. There's a lot of people who are lost and still don't know like their heritage foods or that they're just not trying to eat it. So it is definitely my heart's pull to make sure that people of African descent are eating black eyed peas, our okra, our kalaloo, and 
eating all of the hot peppers that connect us to our ancestors. Which leads me to number two. The mission of the Sankofa Community Farm isn't about making money. Ashley Gripper is a volunteer coordinator. She tells me that she started farming the land there last year after she lost her father. When you do this work and you pour your sweat and your tears and your love into the soil, the soil literally rewards you and gives you with food, right? Like gives us with everything that we need, with water, with shelter, you know, if you know how to build shelters. That's part of the work that I believe I'm charged to is to help reconnect people with the land in that way and help us to heal our relationships with the land and heal our relationships with each other through the land, right? And last but not least, what makes this farm unique is also the metaphorical seeds that they're planting to set up future black generations and that of our planet. Single crop and monocropping is what they practice on industrialized farms to help increase your yield. Um, they're using chemicals and pesticides, but multi-crop farming actually is more beneficial for the soil. And it's actually a practice that is indigenous to Africa, right? And thinking about those practices and the fact that our ancestors like literally shared those practices with the world, for me, reminds me that my people have always done this. My people will continue to do this and our responsibility to earth, to the land, to, to care for her. You can find out more at bartramsgarden.org or visit their weekly farmer's market on Thursdays from 3 to 6. That'll do it for this week's edition of Flashpoint, and I'll leave you with this quote from Wendell Berry. The earth is what we all have in common. For Shara Day Howard, Antoinette Lee, and our producer, Ariane Fulcher, I'm Denise Nakano. Life's an adventure. Thanks for joining me on this journey. We'll catch you next week. Flashpoint is a production of KYW News Radio 1039 FM. For more, go to KYWnewsradio.com slash Flashpoint and subscribe to the Flashpoint Podcast wherever you get your shows. Presented by the Gift of Life Donor Program. Organ donors save lives.